Hi guys, it's Sweden here. Stephanie is off enjoying her vacation. Yes, it's her turn to be gone for a little bit after holding down the fort for so long while I was in the States. So thank you, Steph. Um, we are not going to have a regular episode for you this week as it is the holidays and we can all take a little bit of a break after a long and brutal year. That said, while 2016 has been a mixed bag of emotions for I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, it's also been the year when Dialogica started. So on behalf of Stephanie and myself, I just want to say thank you so much to our listeners and supporters for keeping up with us over the last 20 episodes. It's been such a pleasure and so much fun to record these episodes for you to enjoy, and never in our wildest dreams could we have imagined that we would still have a podcast by the end of the year with over 2,000 followers on Facebook. So thank you, thank you for listening and tuning in every two weeks. And here's a little something, a little like our bonus Ramadan episode as a reward. So here's to it. To tide you over at least for a few weeks until we're back, we thought we'd share some of the segments that, for better or for worse, did not make it into the final episode. Usually when we record, we record up to an hour's worth, sometimes plus, of material so that we would have a lot of content to work with as we compile the final episode. As such, a lot of good conversations and important topics are often left on the cutting room floor. Sometimes because it's recorded poorly, sometimes because it no longer fits with the rest of the episode, and sometimes simply because we didn't have enough time. Now seems like an appropriate time to share them though. So, without further ado, here are some of our favorite conversations that did not make it. Here's a segment that didn't make it into our 11th episode, Male Feminists Manning the Mantle, where we talk about how insexism and racism are like a filter in our eyes, and my bad attempt at trying to get a Matrix analogy into the mix. We've all been unwoke at some point, right? And sexism is the kind of thing, once you realize it's there, you start seeing it more and more. But before you see, before you have that, like, rose-tinted glasses, or like... You have a filter in your... And yeah. how you experience reality. Yeah, like, before you kind of, like... It's like the Matrix. Yeah, before you're startled and jolted awake about this, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I've never known this is an issue. Yeah. And a lot of women really downplay the fact that they've had sexist experiences. Like, um, let's just say, I've never really had a lot of feminist conversations with, like, a lot of the guy friends that I have, unless, one, I'm really close to them, or two, that... Um, they ask me about it, right? I'm not going to be like, yeah, these are all of the sexism that I've received in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no woman wants to like rehash all of the crappy things that happened to them. Yeah, And that's part of it. And like a lot of women also are just not aware of it. And then when guys ask these kind of women, they're like, oh yeah, no, sexism doesn't exist anymore. And they just kind of perpetuate this cycle of like... Ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like the Matrix, right? Like, if you're born into a system and that's the only reality you've ever seen, it's hard for you to imagine what that other reality is. Yeah. It's sort of like um, racism against black people. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, the Chindos or the, the Indonesians that we know don't really have an understanding about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement or racism against black people. Mm-hmm. But once you're more aware of what that means and what that is, you really start to, if you are empathetic in general, you start to really feel how even if you're Asian minority here, how you really feel for them and feel it's unjust, right? 
Here's a segment that didn't make it into our 15th episode on hashtag relationship goals, where we talk about jealousy and how to deal with it from a healthy perspective. I think a part of this, for me at least, is understanding that jealousy is not necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. or a good thing. It depends on the situation. It depends on whether or not it makes you grow in your relationship. Yeah, and I think this is a point where sometimes having a societal standard can be good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, sometimes I know like some guys have been like, oh, like it's totally fine for me to hang out and just watch a movie with my female friend in her apartment, the two of us. And then it's really useful for a girl to be like, hey, well, no, all of my friends think it's weird and societally it's weird for you to do that. Mm -hmm. That means that you can't gaslit me and say that that's normal. And, you know, you can't gaslit my feelings and say that that's okay. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if you're overly jealous to the point where you cannot, and I know this is true of someone that I work with, like he cannot have WhatsApp because she's jealous that his female coworkers WhatsApp him. And his clients WhatsApp him, who are female, wow. and he cannot have WhatsApp, and she checks all his SMSs instead. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, so th- like that also exists. So there's like an opposite, like end of yeah. the spectrum, right? Like there's an element of miscommunication or lack thereof communication in there. If I, I mean, I don't know what happened in the past, but mm-hmm. that just seems to me like a case of unhealthy relationship. Yeah, I think that's just in general unhealthy perspective on... Yeah, or like I know some girls whose boyfriend made them delete all of their male friends on Facebook or something like that. Or photos of their exes. Yeah. That's really, wow. I mean, I've always felt These are not relationship goals. No, these are not. These are relationship... No goals. No goals. No bueno. Yeah. Here's a segment that didn't make it into our 16th episode... Counting Rape Culture, where Stephanie and our guest that week, Kate Walton, talk about what men can do when they see a woman walking alone at night. So I think, so one of my male feminist friends actually posted a status on Facebook, like, saying, um, I need input from women. If I'm ever walking in a deserted street and there's another woman, what would you like me to do? Fair question, right? That's a really interesting question. That's a fair question, and this is what a male ally should do. You should ask the opinion of women in your life about what you should do given a certain situation, not tell them what to do. But at the same time, also, it is not our responsibility to, to you. educate yeah. you. So if a woman, you know, is not interested, she doesn't have the time for th- this, don't yeah. force her. The thing please. is, this is fair because he put it on, like, a public exactly. forum. So No, I agree. Good um, way of doing uh, it. The girl can choose to answer that or not what really bothers me is when someone japris yeah. or just like randomly messages me and like asks me very specific questions like one question somewhere asked me like what was your worst experience as a woman like are you serious yeah. like oh come on God. just but no search no. google google like please google there's search. so many books and articles and things about this we don't need to waste our time we have more important things yeah. to be doing sorry but basically you know the comment that most women universally said to this friend's status was mm. that if you see a woman down the street walking alone like cross the road and then like give her space stay, <laughs> like, stay away. away like and give her space and i was like yeah that's a good point like yeah that was my immediate reaction to yeah, when just, you said that just now we cause... don't know if you're a good guy or a bad guy you know like, you could come up, I'm imagining if I was in that situation and a guy came up to me and was like, 
hey, do you need uh, some company getting home or yeah. something? Um, are you okay? You. I would just be like, oh my God, leave me alone. Go yeah. away. Because again, I don't know if you're a good guy or a bad guy. Just no, please just, just stay, stay, stay away. away. Stay that's far the best away. thing you can do. Like, and that's great. You know, like, um, and sorry yeah. that that's the reality, but we would much rather you stay away. Here's a segment that didn't make it into our 18th episode, We Need to Talk About America, where Stephanie shares about how, in light of Trump's election victory and the visceral reaction liberals like us have towards it, engaging in a constructive and open dialogue with family members, in this case her dad, helped move the conversation forwards towards a more united instead of divided place. Which is particularly important given that, in spite of Hillary Clinton winning as of recording, the popular vote by 2.8 million more votes. Almost 3 million guys, breaking the record here. Donald J. Trump will be inaugurated as the 45th president of the United States next year. (sighs) Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, this is what Hillary was talking about when she said in her concession speech, democracy only works if we participate. And we have to. And these, this is part of participating, talking with your with people who disagree with you on issues, yeah. and try to have a dialogue. And I think that's as difficult as that is. That's the way forward. Like for example, like um, my dad initially didn't care about like you know the whole Trump thing, right? And I actually like went down to like sit with him over time, you know, and, like tell him about you know everything that Trump said and how it affects me, and based on like what happened on my experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And that gradually did change his opinion. Also, he's like somewhat of a reasonable person, but I think any general family member who loves you, maybe eight, 70 to 80% of the time, they would actually kind of care about how you make like your story personally and how it personally affects you, right? Mm-hmm. And like being strategic about how you actually present those stories and uh, with in accordance to facts, right? I think would be really useful. Like, I definitely understand how, like, if you come lashing out and, like, talk about how, you know, if you support Trump, you're racist, or which you probably are, <laughs> it's definitely not the, like, the right strategic move to make. And finally, here's a segment that didn't make it into our latest episode, our 20th episode, Tolerance on Trial, Pluralism versus the FBI where we talked about how hardline Islamic leaders have spun the hashtag Kita Indonesia rally, which was a counter-rally against the December 2nd rally, as another anti-Islam reaction, in order to continue to push their extremist agenda. Like, I follow Agib, I follow Habib Rishlik, and all of these different Islamic figures on Facebook and Twitter now, just so I know what they're saying on the other side, because I don't want to get into my like eco-chamber bubble. Um, and it's really interesting how they spun different aspects of that. So they spun the Kita Indonesia thing as like a thing that delegitimized their act, like saying like, so they saw that as saying like, oh, if you're Islam, you're not Indonesian. It's just very interesting, the mental gymnastics that they're, they're using to delegitimize. And they, you know, they spread all these photos about um, people burning the Nasdem flag because they didn't get enough money for protesting or like they contrasted the fact that the um, December 2 movement cleaned up all the trash right after whereas the Ikita Indonesia protests led to a lot of people throwing away their garbage carelessly. I don't know whatever is true. 
but it's just trying to delegitimize these two acts, you know, and like saying that one is the morally superior than the other. Yeah, and it's a classic spin strategy, right? Like, yeah, whenever you start to quantify or qualify protests by which one is more morally sound, that's when democracy gets problematic because democracy is not about which one is more morally sound. The concept of the right to protest is inherently part of democracy. The right to express your voice is inherent in democracy. So when you start comparing things like that, I feel like you're no longer talking about democracy, right? That last segment is particularly poignant considering where we are right now as a country. The Jakarta governor, Ahok, is still as a recording on trial. And since our 20th episode, there has already been a few cases of hardline Islamic groups interfering with Christmas services and events throughout the country. We must remember that Indonesia's national motto is Bineka Tunggal Ika, or unity and diversity. And it is during tenuous times like these that we must adhere to those founding principles even more. Our democracy and our nation are at stake. Looking beyond Indonesia and at 2016 in general, it hasn't been a great year for democracy and politics. Our hearts and thoughts are, in particular, with those in Syria right now, whose daily lives are dictated not by their dreams or aspirations, but by drone strikes, death, and destruction. These are individuals and communities and families who, in many ways, have been let down by the world's democracies. And we all have a responsibility to respond constructively and with empathy. We here at Dialogica are and will always be committed to engaging in constructive conversations and dialogues using common sense and logic, and not subscribing to messages of fear and anxiety whose purpose is to simply stoke divisive sentiments. Our dialogue has been and will always be about upholding the standards of democracy to a higher level, whether that's in the realm of politics, feminism, or any other social issue. And we can't do that without you listeners. So my hope, and Stephanie's hope, is that to all of those who are listening to our podcast, wherever you are, whether in Indonesia or abroad, whether as regular listeners or if this is your first time listening to Dialogica, that you will also be committed to promoting conversations of unity and diversity over those that divide. 2017 will need it. We look forward to being back in the new year, so hope everyone had a fantastic holiday so far, and here's to a wonderful end to the year. We'll see you in a few weeks. Bye!